0: Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this day, Father. We thank you for this opportunity to gather together. Father, we thank you now for this um, chance to stand before your people, Father, and deliver your word. Father, we pray that everything done and said today will be to the upbuilding of your kingdom. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. So uh, this guy got home from work, and his wife is crying in the kitchen, and he he's trying to make sense of what's going on, and she said, you just don't understand how they talk to me. And he was like, no, sweetheart, you've got to tell me what happened. And she said, well, I called the pharmacy, and the pharmacist was very rude to me. He said, I'll handle that. So he went down to the pharmacy, and he said, uh, can you tell me what happened? Why were you rude to my wife? He said, sir, there's a lot of extenuating circumstances, and you probably don't want to hear it. And the guy said, no, in fact, I do want to hear it. He said, well, when I woke up this morning, I didn't have any power. And I took a cold shower, and when I got coming to work, I had a flat tire. After I finally got the tire fixed, a guy rode by and splashed me with water. I finally made it into the pharmacy, and there are people outside yelling and screaming. When I finally opened the door and got it in, one of the customers bumped one of the shelves and spilled stuff all over the floor. All the time, the phone is ringing. He was like, None of this seems like it bothers me. Why were you rude to my wife? He said, well, the phone rang and, rang and rang and rang and rang and rang, and when I finally answered it, your wife asked me how to use a rectal thermometer, and buddy, I told her. <laughs> <clears throat> my sensors refused to hear my joke this week, so there you go. All right, so <laughs> we, um, we <laughs> oh, man. It wasn't that funny, but it was funny. I'm going to preach a sermon this morning I, I've never heard before, uh, um, which, you know, that has nothing to do with anything, but, but it's, it, it's a contrast of something that we, we actually use the word as synonyms, and they're not. And when we are trying to witness to the world, a lot of times we sell one when we shouldn't. Okay, and I know this sounds really vague, but we're going to talk about it. So so the title of today's message is Lord and Savior. Those things are completely different. If you look up the definition, a Savior is a person who saves someone from danger, ruin, or defeat. Right? Ruin? Yeah, uh uh-huh. Y'all got it bad stuff a savior is somebody who shows up and saves people from from danger from 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 defeat from from inevitable doom right and a lord is a person with authority control or power over others acting as a master or a ruler or a chief see those two things aren't the same and a lot of times we say lord and savior and we just group them together and we expect people to understand that Lord and Savior are the same person. But really and truly, those things are... Con- I got my hand shaking. I must have had too much coffee this morning too, Megan. Um, they're completely different. Because, see, let's start with Savior. See, Savior is the good news. Savior is the one that showed up when we were doomed before we knew we were doomed. Savior was the one who don't care what you look like, how old you are, how you behave, how you behaved in the past, right? Because the Bible says that God so loved the world that he sent his son, right, to be a Savior, not to be Lord, to be Savior, okay? So let's start with that. So, we got a bunch of scripture. I'm going to try to get through most of them if I can. Um, some of them really basic. Some of them going to get a little deeper. Uh, the first one is Gospel According to Luke. And I know you probably have heard this a gazillion times. But it's okay. We're going we're gonna to understand what it says. Um, gospel According to Luke chapter 2. I'm going to start with verse 10. This is announcing the birth of Jesus, right? But the angel said in him, Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news. There great joy for all people. Not people that look like me. Not people who act like me. Not people who talk like me. Not people the same color as me. Not people the same background as me. All people today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He is the Messiah, comma, the Lord. Completely different. The Savior has been born. And by the way, He's the Lord. Right? And and I know it sounds like we're splitting hairs, but really it's a it's a difference, right? Because the Savior wants a personal relationship with you exactly how you are today. Regardless of what's happened before, regardless of who you've been, regardless of how much trash you talked on Facebook or how mean you've been to people or if you raped, pillaged, and killed the whole world, it doesn't matter. The Savior wants a personal relationship with you whether you live in accordance to what His Word says or not. See, He loved the world so much that He sent the Savior for you. And the Savior, to, what does it take For him to be a savior, right? Let's just say, if there was a firefighter, what does it take for a firefighter to save somebody from a burning building? Well, they actually got to show up, right? They got to be there. They can't, you know, phone it in. They can't be here in in the burning building is in Columbia. And they go, hey, hey, we want to save all those people in the building. You good? Okay, good. I'm glad they're saved. And hang up the phone. No, the first thing he had to do was he had to show up. So, if you will turn to Philippians, and I, I know some of this this is this is an, a different thing of talking about it, but I just want you to have an open mind and understand what's going on just for a minute. So, Philippians chapter two, uh, beginning with verse six, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness, being found in all appearances as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So the first thing he did was he became a person with flesh and blood to dwell on this earth. Because it is imperative that I'm going to be redeemed, it's got to be Like me. The Savior has to be like me. He has to be able to stand in my place. And and God the Trinity cannot stand in my place without becoming flesh and dwelling among us. He had to be born blameless and holy and without sin. Then he had to take on a free will and have all of the opportunities that you and I have had to sin. Even past the point where once he was Faced with all of the opportunities to sin, he was then fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and was tempted with all of these great miracles and all of these things by the devil, giving him every opportunity to sin, every chance for him to fall. Just like the first Adam fell, he had to be given every chance to fall. Because if he's holy and blameless, he has to maintain being holy and blameless. We noted his blood did not have sin in it like our blood did. But he still had to have be holy and blameless. He couldn't come here and sin and raise sin and do all the stuff that we're doing and just step into the position to take my penalty. Because he couldn't take my penalty anymore. Because the instant he became sin, he wasn't taking my penalty. He would have had to take his own penalty. Okay. Going through them quickly. Uh, Ephesians. Uh, Chapter 1, verse 7. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us with all the wisdom and understanding He may known us the mystery according to His good pleasure which he purposed Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their f- fulfillment. So we had, he had to show up on time and he had to be holy and blameless. And once he was holy and blameless, his blood paid my penalty and paid your penalty. Now, that is the Savior. That is creating a way for you to become saved. Right? We we had all Romans says we have all fallen and come short, right? And the wages of sin is death. We are all in line for that, right? Is already taking place. But the Savior part of it, and the most important part of the Savior is this He came to save everybody. Everybody. let's, Let's read that. Uh, gospel according to John, and I know you probably can quote it. God bless you. Uh, verse Chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world, the entire world, that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever, believe, whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. And whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. See, I I heard a story this week, and and it was a, a, a garden, and on one side was heaven, and on the other side was hell, and God was standing over there in the distance, and Satan was standing over there in the distance, and the middle was a fence, and this guy was sitting on the fence. He was watching both sides. And he was watching both sides. And it was time to go home. Satan walked over there and tapped him on the shoulder and said, let's go. He said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't pick you. I didn't pick him, but I didn't pick you. And Satan said, yeah, you don't understand. The fence is mine. Not making a decision to commit your life to Christ puts you on the fence. And according to John, you stand condemned already he wasn't sent here to condemn us he was sent here to save us the savior was sent here to save us to fulfill all of the promises of god to give us a way out because without him every human being on the planet was condemned to death and hell right and the savior came here as the way out the golden ticket if you please the opportunity to be redeemed from the curse Right, but that's the savior. The savior don't care what you look like. Uh, well, <clears throat> Hebrews, like I said, never heard this preached before, and I'm probably not doing a very good job. But it's something that I want you to understand and at least consider. I want you to start putting your mind into fact to see what we're talking about. Uh Hebrews chapter five. <clears throat> Um, we'll begin with... Oh, man, no really good place to start. Seven, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions and fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. Save him from death. Not us from death, him from death. And he was becured, heard because of his reverent submission. Son, though he was, he learned <clears throat> obedience from what he suffered. 9. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him, as designed by God to be the high priest. He became the single source of salvation. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one goes to the Father except through me. Savior. Nobody can make it through this except through me. Savior. I love you just the way you are, Savior. Hebrews nine. I, I'm, I'm, it's a bunch of the scripture. I'm sorry. <clears throat> Hebrews nine, starting with the fifteenth verse. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of the new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of an eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins that committed under the first covenant. He is the gate, the Savior. Not the Lord, the Savior. When we witness to people, a lot of times, a lot of times, we want to start talking about, well, the Bible says you shouldn't do that. And the Bible says you shouldn't do that. And the Bible says you shouldn't act like that. And my Bible says that's an abomination. And my Bible says you shouldn't. Now, are you preaching the good news that comes from the Savior? No. You're telling them about the Lord. See, here's the key you have to get to a place that where you are so in love with the Savior for what he did to you that you then submit yourself willingly to the Lord. It's not mandatory yet we'll come back to that yet it's not mandatory yet it's not mandatory to consider him Lord yet but it is out of the the gratefulness that sings my soul right it's out of the gratefulness of all the things that he has done for us that we see what the Savior has done for us that we are then willing to submit ourselves to God as holy and pleasing sacrifices to submit ourselves to the Lord See, there's a difference. You can't tell somebody how wonderful it is to serve the King of kings and Lord of lords if they don't understand what the, sa- the Savior did for them to start off with. You can't sell this part if they don't know what the good part is yet. And unfortunately, as Christians, we go about beating people about the head and neck with our Lord of lords and King of kings. And praise God, that is the truth. But the important part to the world is... you. They didn't talk about Him being the Lord. They talked about Him being the Savior, being the gate, the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody goes to the Father except through me. That He is the Redeemer, that He is the Messiah, that He came here and set you free. Once you can wrap your head around that He came here to set you free, then and only then can you knowingly want to submit yourself to the Lord. It's a different relationship. <clears throat> like I said, the, the, the definitions is a savior is somebody who saves, but a lord is a person who has authority and control and power over others, acting as a master, a ruler, or a chief. He is the high priest, he is the lord of lords, he is the king of kings. His name is above every name. And we submit ourselves to him because of what he did for us. We're not so holy and wonderful that we could submit ourselves to Christ without salvation. Human nature doesn't do that. How do lords maintain control in general? Iron fists, right? You obey the king because the king said so. You have no choice. You will bow to the king, right? I mean, we saw this throughout history. that I am in control, and you will do what I say because I am the boss. Jesus doesn't have that opinion. He came here as a, the Lamb of God to lay his blood down on the offering to buy us back, to save us from death and hell. All right. <clears throat> Hebrews... Uh, That's not where I want to go. I want to go back to Philippians. Um. Remember just a minute ago, we talked about Philippians 2, 6 through 8, the very nature of God came down, made himself in human likeness, found as an appearance of a man, humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even in a cross, right? Uh, Verse 9, Therefore God exalted him to a high place and gave him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, and in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. See, when he comes back, there won't be a choice to whether you recognize him as Lord or not. Now, when we see Jesus, when I see Jesus first, I see Jesus the Savior, right? Because I know what he did for me. I know what he got me from. You notice when it comes back that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Savior? No. Why? Because when we get to hear when we get to this point in history or in time, in the future, when He comes back that every knee will bow and every tongue will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, the Savior will be done. Everybody that will be saved will already have been saved. He will have already separated the sheep from the goats. The the Lamb of God will have gone away and the Lion of Judah will show up. All of a sudden, He goes from the, the, the... Sacrifice the, the, the humble, beautiful, perfect sacrifice to the ruling, controlling Lion of Judah. He changed, but he didn't really. If you go back and look at Psalms. There's a lot of good stuff in the Old Testament that talks about Lord. And they understood a bunch of Lord stuff. But if you go back and look at the 23rd Psalms, and I'm sure you probably can repeat it. I mean, you learned it in, in Little People's Church. But the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me, lie, makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the paths of righteousness for a name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valleys, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, rod and staff, that comes from the Lord. That that is the the ruling authority. This whole psalms right here talks about submitting that he makes me lie down. He leads me to quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He has control over what I do. He's the good shepherd, right? Do y'all think that like the sheep vote and they talk to the shepherd and go, hey, you know what? We want to go over there today. You think that's how that works? No. I would think that the shepherd decides where the sheep goes, huh? The difference is understanding that Savior wants you exactly like you are. Exactly like you are. And the, the Lord wants you to Romans. Can't get past the sermon without Romans. I, 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 over and over and over. Romans 12. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, and this is your true and proper worship. For do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and you will be able to stand the test and approve God's will, His perfect, pleasing will. That's not Savior. That's submitting yourself to the Lord. That's not, this is not the commercial. Jesus himself, he, he didn't demand, you will worship me for I am the Lord. Did he? I missed that part. He said, I come to lay down my life for you. And I could pick it back up if I wanted to. You can't make me, but I'm going to lay it down for you as a free gift to mankind. Savior, do not conform to this world, but be transformed as a living sacrifice. Lord, when we start to self-identify who we are and what we're supposed to be, you change your perspective from Savior to Lord. Why? savior wants you exactly like you were don't ever change i don't care it's here it's a free gift it is the grace of god it's been given to all mankind it can't be a high bar because some of y'all ain't bright we got to give it to you in the basic easiest possible way because if you had to do romans 12 first and submit your bodies as a living sacrifice to become saved the kingdom of god would be in ruins that would not be the body of Christ. We can't live to this standard that Jesus on the inside, working on the outside, you can't have the change until you accept Him as Savior, until He comes to live on the inside of you. And once He becomes to live on the inside of you, and the Holy Spirit moves in, and you have a mediator and a Lord and a conscience that helps you to decide, is this right or is this right? How should I act? How should I talk? How should I behave? That is submitting yourself to the Lord. You can't do that It's impossible. The Jews proved it over and over and over. They could not live under the law. They couldn't submit themselves to it. They tried. They did all of the stuff. They washed. They did sacrifices. They could not live holy and blameless. But when we become saved, I already look like holy and blameless. Then my only goal in life is to work every day to look more like Jesus and to be more under the authority of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. See, that's step two. Step one is getting saved, right? It, it, it's, Granddad used to call it fire insurance. It's fire insurance. It, it's knowing where I'm going when this world is over. It's knowing that I have a retirement. That there are many mansions and, and I got a place there. That, that's what salvation means. <clears throat> but back when Paul was talking about did y'all act like babies, These people that's just saved. Christians, as they mature and develop and grow, they become a lot more into submitting themselves to God. But y'all ever noticed how like little kids say whatever they want? Right? No no filter. Right? None. They say whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want. And then you get old enough to get punched in the face and you realize that maybe I shouldn't say that stuff around certain people because it might come back to haunt me. And this is the part I was going to leave out but I'm going to say it anyway. And then I think it's around 70 that that goes back in the opposite direction and you figure out nobody's going to punch an old person so you just say whatever you want to anyway. But the rest of us live in that, you know, that 12 to 70 range, right? That we need to watch our mouth. We need to behave. We need to be careful about how we act, right? Why? Well, because I want to be a good person. Well, okay, if that's your rooted reason that you want to be a good person so you monitor how you act, okay, fine. I don't want to be. I want to submit myself to God. God. I want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to be able to say that I submitted myself to the Lord to where when we get done, I did a good job. Because look, it ain't real easy having to behave all the time and say the right things all the time and act the right way all the time. And here again, I think if you live old enough to get to 70, whatever, you can go back and do whatever you want to do. But in the middle, you have to be responsible for who you are and That is the best commercial. The best commercial is living submitted to God when your body is a living sacrifice, striving to get better and better and better in line with God's Word, and having sense enough to understand that the people in the world don't need to hear that part. They need to hear about the Savior. The gift of salvation is the good news. That's what the gospel means. It is is the good news. And you cannot submit yourself to God until you have him living on the inside of you. Salvation is definitely the way. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to God except through me. But as we mature and as we grow, we go from looking at, oh, praise God, I'm saved, to, Lord, it is my will, in determination and it is my life's goal to live according to your word to act according to your word to be the best example that i can be that i'm going to be part of the perfect bride of christ when you return that i'm going to be the light into the world that i'm going to be the hands and feet of christ that i'm going to go into all the world and preach the gospel that i'm going to do everything you sent me to do there are two completely different mindsets Praise God I'm saved. Good. Congratulations. Now, it is time for you to step into the maturity level of being a Christian. And we have folks that are inside the Christian body that are still right there leaning up on the salvation post going, I'm good. Y'all keep doing what y'all are doing and I'm going to stay right here. That's unfortunate. Because as you mature your opportunities to witness, your opportunity to give people your testimony, your opportunity to touch other people, your opportunity to have a bigger impact on the kingdom gets larger and larger and larger. But I'm going to promise you that if you're a toddler in Christ and you still got diarrhea out of mouth and you just say whatever you want to say whenever you want to say it, you're not a good example. You're not. Our goal is to be past the first step into the maturity level and once we get to the maturity level there's never an end no no matter how what James say you can control your whole body but not your tongue right it it, it just is what it is but our goal is to strive to get more and more and more to subject ourselves to the lord because there's going to come a day then every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord, but not everybody gets to call him Savior. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father God, we just thank you and praise you for your word. We thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for this message. Father, we pray that we will be better examples to our community and to our families and our friends. And we just give you praise and honor and glory for it in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Amen.